statements expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Uh, thanks a lot for listening in. Always thanks uh, uh, every time that we're on the the air to our valued sponsors. So, Bubba, you know, we use a number of um, uh, terms in our nomenclature as Americans, but sometimes we don't have any idea how complicated things, like, you know, people say, I'm going to get to be 62 and apply for Social Security. Do you really know what Social Security is and all of the Mm -hmm. different options and all the rules and how complicated it is? It can be complicated. You get 65. I'm go- I, I, they tell me at 65 I can sign up for that Medicare. Mm-hmm. Do you know the difference between a part and a plan? And do you mm-hmm. have any idea what the windows are? Mm-hmm. And it, it, there are so many things that we deal with as Americans that we just think, I'll... The same thing would be like mm-hmm. in the medical field, right? Yeah, so yeah. you talk about financial things, yeah. Medicare, insurance, yeah. Yeah. investments, yeah. like... I got a good handle on that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, you tell me I've got to go get a a, a test for interstitial diverticulitis or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, you know, yeah. I don't know so much about that. Well, you know, how many people walking around really know the difference between uh, virus, huh? Mm-hmm. And and back bacterial. a bacterial infection, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them you can deal and if you've with. You got a virus? Do you actually take an antibiotic? Yeah. Now I know yeah. that one because my yeah. wife's a drug dealer. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, uh, antibiotics will attack one of them, the bacterial yeah. infection, but it won't do it with the virus. Sure. You know, there's something else you got to do. A lot of different protocols here. A lot. Well, the point is, life is complicated. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's Veterans Day. Yeah. And today we have a veteran on mm-hmm. with us, Marianne uh, Runner, who actually uh, is a uh, Medicare insurance annuity, Social Security specialist here with Cooley and Labus, but she's also a U.S. veteran. Hua, as we would say in the army, that's hua means anything and everything that you want it to mean. So yes, hua. <laughs> yeah. presently you're a captain, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, working toward the possibility of major. Yes. Yeah, Lord yeah. willing. Yeah, we want to get you to major so that uh, retirement check is better. Bigger, yes, right? yes. Huh? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, first of all, thank you for your service, Marianne. Thank we're, you for your support. Appreciate you and and having you uh, as part of our team there at Cooling Labus, but also I brought you on today because, you know, this is kind of part of what you do in the Guard, uh, U.S. Army, but also uh, what you help us do with our clients who are veterans, and in light of the fact that tomorrow is Veterans Day, we want to go over what it means to be a veteran. What's the definition of that? You got a couple extra hours, Greg. <laughs> I was going to say, it may take two or three shows, <laughs> yeah. really and truly. Because most people on the street, mm-hmm. if you say, you know, uh, do you have anybody in your family who's a veteran? Well, do they really 
know what the technical definition is? I don't know if most people know, including veterans themselves. Mm. Um, There are so many perceptions of what a veteran is and definitions. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got one just now. A friend of mine on Facebook just told me, any one of my brothers and sisters who signed the dotted line is a veteran. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many different variations of what a veteran might be. Or the conception of what a veteran is. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So... Do we need to kind of clear that up today? I think so, because um, as a veteran, you're going to eventually apply for some benefits. Mm -hmm. And when you apply for those benefits, every person that's going to give you those benefits has their own definition of what a veteran is. And you need to know that to see if you qualify um, to to, to get those benefits. Right. But now the military has their own definition. Yes. Technical definition of what it is to be a veteran. So let's get that one out of the way. Yes. So when you say the military, you're talking about the VA, Veterans Affairs. Their definition is a person who has served in active duty, military, naval, or air service, and who is discharged or released (laughs) therefrom under conditions under other than dishonorable. So keywords were active duty. Okay. So somebody who's served active duty. Active Give duty. me the definition of active then. Okay. So I get this question a lot. Are you in the guard? Or are you in the reserves? Are you active duty? What does all this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've all, we all, in the army, we all train together. We all go to basic training together if we're enlisted. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we're officers, we all go to ROTC together. We're all trained, given the same skill sets, uh, the, tra- the same training. The difference is when the training is over and basic training is over, we go separate ways based on funding. Okay. So there's three different directions you can go once you're done with your uh, training as a group. Mm -hmm. One of them is reserve. One of them is National Guard. And one of them is active duty. Okay. Um, Active duty is what you most people think of in their minds when they think of military those people live on or near a large post whether it's fort benning or or uh fort sam houston or anywhere they live (laughs) or fort leavenworth you know that one bubba Uh uh-huh i've heard it said that way (laughs) um so they live on or near those bases and they work there every single day it is their job they're 24 hour day, well not 24 hour day eight right. to five right. monday to friday mm-hmm. and um they do that for a living full-time then you've got the other two reserve components which people call national guard reserve so it gets confusing because okay. there's the reserves okay. and there's national guard and again the difference is all funding so active duty soldiers are paid by the federal government mm-hmm. the reserves are also paid by the federal government okay the army national guard is funded by the state okay Okay. The state. So right. we all have the same training. We just all have different funding sources. Okay. Now, can a National Guards person then be considered active? Because you said in order to be considered right. a veteran, that word active was key in there. Right. So if I was in the Guard my entire life and I never was put on active duty orders, according to the VA, I'm not a veteran. Okay. So I have to be put on active duty orders and then released from those orders to be considered what the VA calls a veteran. Um, What that means is you're put on a special um, set of orders, maybe Title 32 orders, Mm -hmm. and it has to be for more than a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you're released from those orders, that's when you qualify with your DD-214. That's a piece of paper that says you were released with honorable, um, under honorable circumstances. And so to get those kind of orders, Mm -hmm. you could either be deployed Okay. Or you could be, and that's overseas. Okay. Um, I actually went to Kuwait in 18 to 19, mm-hmm. and I got active duty time mm-hmm. on that deployment. 
but not everybody gets to deploy. They don't always need everybody to deploy at all times. Okay. So maybe you put on, you were put on act, uh, title 32 orders in the States. Okay. Maybe you had to do a mission, a long-term mission like, um, vaccinations okay. that were more, that took more than a month. Okay. Maybe you're put, and then I'll tell you all those vaccination orders. Some were title 10, some were title, title 32. There was so many different ways to fund that because it was such a big, mm. uh, mission mm-hmm. that it was just insane. So maybe that's how you received active duty in the States was on a long-term mission in the country. But either way, as long as whether you're guard, reserves, or active duty, you spent any time on that specific set of orders and were released honorably, then you're considered a VA by VA definition. All right. So I'm glad we got that definition done during this uh, segment of the show. We're going to come back and continue this discussion related to veterans here near Veterans Day from the Advisors Roundtable. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, right here on Super Talk Radio. Today, we're talking related to uh, Veterans Day coming up tomorrow uh, about veterans. What does it mean to be a veteran? Uh, uh, why do you qualify uh, all of the branches of the military, all those sorts of things? And we're having that discussion today with Marianne Runner, who is a captain in the U.S. Army and the Guard, and also a member of our team at Cooley and Labus. And Marianne, we talked about the fact that in that first segment that a lot of us don't really know what the technical definition of veteran is. Many people think, well, you have to have 20 years and get uh, honorably discharged, or maybe you have to have served overseas, or you had to be a war vet- veteran. Um, but you're telling me that if we were under, or you were under a certain uh, kind of orders for at least 30 days and were released based on your DD-214, which is an honorable discharge from those specific orders, you can be considered a veteran. Yes. Um, However, you know, for example, if I'm going to get a home and I get a veteran's loan, Mm. maybe that company who's going to offer me that loan, maybe they only consider a veteran just anybody who served. Oh, really? Like the one that I got mine from when I bought my first house. So the the definition we used in the first segment was the military Mm -hmm. and the veteran affairs definition. But there are various definitions of what a veteran is based on companies and the benefits they'll give you. Yes. So if you are with a veteran and you're going to apply for some benefit, my biggest piece of advice would be ask them what their definition of a veteran is. Okay. We, we mentioned that. Previously. All right. So tell me some of these benefits that are available to people out there who may have served, whether they were technically a veteran from the point of view of the military or not. Right. So we just discussed VA loans, which is good because you don't have to pay the PMI. Okay. Um, a lot of times you don't have to do down payments on homes. Mm. Um, in addition to homes, you can get reduced or free long-term care costs. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when mm. we talked about long-term care. Um, and I gave you a little teaser. Well, a lot of the veteran friends that I talk to, when I say, what is your plan for long-term care? Uh, should you need to go into a nursing home and receive skilled nursing care? And they say, well, either my kids are going to take care of me or I've got the VA home for free. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, hold on just a second. Your VA uh, benefits are going to depend on your disability rating. So mm-hmm. when you apply for the VA, based on their definition, they're going to they're gonna rate you on okay. how disabled you became because of your service. Mm-hmm. Um, anything above 70 is pretty rough. It means you've had a hard time in the military. Um, so according to the uh, homes that you can apply for when you become a veteran, if you've received a 70% rating or higher, they'll let you stay in that home for free for the rest of your life. So I have a family member who's 100% yes. disabled he, because of his service. Mm-hmm. So he gets 100% VA home. Yes. At benefit. any of the four homes in Mississippi, there's only four of them. Okay. 
Um, so yes, he would get 100%. <clears throat> and his spouse, if he had a spouse, would also get 100%. Okay. And I, I tell you, until you know somebody, mm-hmm. and, and you see them from time to time driving down the road, and they've got the 100% disabled veteran mm-hmm. on their tag, that sort of thing. Right. But until you know somebody personally mm-hmm. that is dis, a disabled veteran, mm-hmm. I, then you really truly respect and, and appreciate the things and the sacrifices uh-huh. that they've done. Uh-huh. Not only for us, but for the entire country, right? And it's not just physical. Right. The guy who's walking around, yeah. unfortunately, without a leg. Yeah. But he's had mental, financial, mm-hmm. maybe relationship. I mean, my goodness, right. his whole life has been given. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a great point, Bubba. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> people don't realize when we raise our hand, we're giving up certain liberties, for example, to, <clears throat> excuse me, to be able to refuse a vaccination like the coronavirus vaccination you know mm-hmm. you see in the news right now the military is on track to be 100 percent vaccinated by june of next year okay so we gave up that liberty and, and we understand that when we sign okay all right uh and so there are a number of benefits to either you or your spouse um your dependent children uh of various uh, companies out there, um, uh, people who provide VA loans, uh, the veterans, the VA for uh, the long-term care um, uh, clinics. Um, when when a, a veteran gets to be 65 and goes on Medicare, what about a Medigap coverage? Do they have to go out and buy like a a, Medi- uh, a, a Medicare supplement? Right, right. So um, we've mentioned before that Medigap plan, mm-hmm. everybody has to pay for except for a veteran because they qualify for TRICARE for Life. Okay. Um, TRICARE for Life is basically a secondary insurance that acts almost identically to a Medigap Medicare supplement type plan. Oh. Um, it fills in the gaps. It, you know, whatever Medicare doesn't cover on your part A and part B, which we've, we've learned in the past are, is significant. If you don't have a secondary coverage, um, at least the, um, military has that coverage. Um, and I did want to go back and correct something earlier. I said, uh, you had to be on title 32 or title 10 for, uh, 30 days. It's actually 90. Okay. So yeah, just want to clarify that. All right. In order to be technically considered a veteran from the point of view of the VA. All right. What about funeral costs? You know, you've heard about people having a military funeral. Yes. Does that cost extra to have all those people there and somebody blow the horn, do the the taps and... Fortunately not. And I don't Mm. know, maybe Bubba has looked into the cost of a funeral home lately. Or a a funeral funeral. itself, the ceremony. Right. It it can cost you easily three to five grand for a casket. It can cost you... Mm. 400 bucks for a signature book yeah it can cost you several hundred dollars if you want to cremate and use uh, mm-hmm. a, a canister for that mm-hmm. if no, you, that's just for the canister not to cremate right, that's a different right. expense yeah. and yeah and <laughs> if you want to get buried in the city you mm-hmm. have to have a vault so mm-hmm. that and this sounds really gross i'm sorry guys right cover your ears if you don't right. like squeamish stuff right. so that you're Fluids don't go seep into the the, the city. Yeah. You have to be in a vault, and that costs another five grand. Okay, um, you got to have pallbearers and mm-hmm. people that move the body. That's expensive. You got to dig the hole. It, it, it can easily go up to twenty to fifty thousand dollars for a funeral. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how much. So veterans pay. paid none of that. Nothing. None. Really. Of that. They get a free headstone. They get a free location. I don't know if you know you have to pay for a location in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, they get all those for free. Okay. Everything. All right. So if you have a family member who is a veteran uh, and they pass away, 
then you just say that to the funeral home? No. Uh, obviously, you are going to want to discuss that with your family up front. Mm. Um, I've told people in the past, as morbid as it sounds, come up with a plan. Uh, I've told my husband that when my kids are old enough, if I have to get buried, go to walmart.com and buy me a $200 casket. I don't care what it's going to look like. Okay. I'm going to be living with the Lord upstairs. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Does Walmart sell those? They do. You can actually have them shipped to your house. <laughs> For 200 bucks. Well, okay. it's I, That's exaggerated right there. Okay. It's probably more like 500 which is huh. usually on average about 1,000% cheaper than what the funeral homes will okay. charge you. Sorry, yeah. funeral homes. I'm kind of outing you here, but right. um, yeah. you can get them wholesale offline for I bet the funeral home has to do all that work and embalming and everything mm-hmm. uh, and making sure that it's done legally i bet they get reimbursed from va somehow for you for i i i I don't know if they're doing it for free i mean we need to ask somebody who owns a funeral and if they have to do that for or they do do it for funeral uh for veterans we need to say thank you to them yeah Mm -hmm. there are a lot of businesses out there who support veterans uh, in a, in a lot of ways, and sometimes they just do it anonymously. Yeah. They do it because it's in their heart, mm-hmm. and they're appreciative. Mm-hmm. But if you know of uh, a, a business that supports veterans, uh, you need to say thank you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's talk about disability. Uh, you know, you talked about ratings. Where's that rating come from? Is that inside the VA? Uh, they, they determine that, you know, if you unfortunately lose a finger that's a certain percentage or something right so um obviously you're going to have seen a doctor at some point the mm-hmm. doctor is going to provide those records when they do underwriting mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me um and the the va is going to determine it they've got a list that says this will give you this percent this will give you this percent mm-hmm. um there are ways to work that system unfortunately and there are people who do attempt to get a higher rating unnecessarily mm-hmm. um but yes, they, you don't have to actually provide your medical records to the VA when you apply for disability because they're going to go find that information themselves. They okay. want to do a thorough job and make sure that they are giving people a certain rating that is fair and accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, as I said, my brother uh, uh, is uh, 100% uh, VA disabled. And there, there's a lot of, lot of work at that. You know, I, I was called by somebody uh, at the VA and, and interviewed mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, about his capabilities and what he did on a daily basis and those sorts of things, whether I lived with him or not, just my perceptions. Because they were doing their background work. Uh, they're trying to save U.S. taxpayers. Exactly. Um, now, what about life insurance? In the last minute or two before our, our break, uh, veterans and availability and sure. underwriting and all that stuff. So uh, when you go into the military and you, you raise your hand and you swear in, usually most soldiers will apply for a $400,000 life insurance policy. That's, that's you know, the average. Of what You can do a little less if you want and you don't want to have to pay as much in a premium. But $400,000 are what most service members have when you retire you want to continue to have that coverage if you're not self-insured which i don't know very many people who are Mm -hmm. especially if you get in at 17 and you're retiring at 37 so um you want to continue that coverage Mm -hmm. and you can go it from sgi sgli which is service members group life insurance Mm -hmm. into vgli which is veterans life insurance Mm -hmm. um the benefit with that is there's no medical underwriting Mm -hmm. as long as you get it done within i think it's and don't quote me all i think it's like 240 days from the day you retire out of the military 
You have to get it done quickly, but if you do that, they're not going to look at your medical history. So if you mm. if something has happened in those 20 years of service mm. and you tried to go to a private insurance company, yeah. they're going to look at your medical records and you might not qualify for life insurance at that point. Right. But the vet, but the the veterans life insurance the 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 um the trade-off there is going to be that the VA life insurance is probably double the amount in okay, premium. So you it's still more expensive. Have to pay for it. Yes, you still have to pay and it's going to be about double. Okay. So you kind of have to wait uh, you know, am I going to be medically underwritten? Is it worth applying for this and paying a little bit more mm-hmm. or just not having insurance at all because uh, you can't get qualified? All right. Yeah. All right. We're going to go uh, to another break here at the Advisors Roundtable. We'll continue our discussion related to veterans, their benefits, definitions of those from Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here today with Marianne Runner, a veteran, uh, captain in the Army and Guard, and also a member of the team at Cooley and Labus Financial Advisors for issues related to retirement, Social Security, uh, annuities, veterans, uh, Medicare, uh, lots of stuff, lots of hats she's wearing there for us now. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks a lot for being with us. Uh, Marianne, tell us um, all of the branches of yeah. the military uh, that can get you qualified to be a veteran. Sure. So um, most of you are familiar with the Army, the Marines, the Air Force, the Navy, and the Coast Guard. And they're even starting to work on a Space Force. Oh, really? Yeah, that's pretty interesting, which really controls the cyberspace uh, as, oh. you know, electronic warfare is becoming a big threat these days. Okay. Um, as you've heard on all the news with the pipelines and the different things going on. So that is a, an important thing to focus on these days. So, yeah, yeah, they're working on that. All right. So you also talked earlier about active duty in one of these Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, Space Force. But you also talked about Reserve and National Guard. Who's in in charge of all these who's the commander-in-chief that is such a great question right. um, and I think it, the, it's best answered by an example let me tell you about uh, Hurricane Katrina okay so when Hurricane Katrina happened uh, we were obviously prepared several days out knowing that this was going to be disastrous mm. so uh, in the national and I'm referring to the National Guard for this example because the National and specifically Guard, for Mississippi Mississippi okay. specifically right. because the Guard is going to be different from the reserves on how you respond okay. to disasters okay so in the Army National Guard um, when you know that there's a disaster on the way the tiny little counties in each state have a representative Mm. Uh, a legislative representative, mm. those people will survey their little county mm. and determine if they think that they can survive this disaster without help from anybody else. Okay. If they cannot, they reach out to the cities mm-hmm. and the city's emer- emergency response uh, teams or services, whether that's MEMA or the Red Cross or what, well, the Red Cross is a bigger mm-hmm. entity, but um, MEMA, so that's MEMA is Mississippi's FEMA. Uh-huh. It's, it's the version of FEMA, but for Mississippi. Um, they'll reach out to the city. If the city says, you know what, we're going to get hit dead on, um, we actually need to request assistance from a bigger authority, the governor. Okay. So they go to the governor, um, and actually this, this survey is being done by all the local uh, EMTs, the fire departments, the police stations. Emergency management people. All that all team that. is the one that's surveying and saying, we can't, we're not going to be able to handle this, so we right. need to go to the governor. Right. They go to the governor, and they ask for to be declared a natural disaster in advance of the hurricane because they know it's going to be bad. And the governor says, okay, uh, I have to ask the president. Hmm. So the governor will ask the president to be declared in advance sometimes to be uh, declared a, a natural disaster or uh, I'm blanking on my word here, but an, 
declared as a natural disaster so that they receive extra federal funding. Okay. Because if you're not declared um, a then disaster, then it's all on the state to the just state pay for it. the state funds everything, okay. of all the response to this hurricane. All right. And the state already knew we're not going to be able to afford it. So you need to, you need to request for funding from okay. the federal government. So that's when the governor goes to the president. Usually the president knows that all the research has been done. They usually approve it. Um, so where most people think it's the, the president saying, Hey, I need the governor. I need you to do this. And the governor talks to the, the mayor of the city and all the representatives in all the counties actually from bottom up, especially mm. when it comes to uh, natural disaster response. So like in your natural example, from the point of view of, uh, Katrina, mm -hmm. like if you had been down at Biloxi. Yeah. Okay. So they would have locally looked at it and determined what they thought the, mm -hmm. the flow and the surge was going to be. And, and right. then they go to the city and the city then calls up to Jackson, Mississippi and talks to the governor or his representative. And the next thing, something's going to Washington. Yes. And a lot of people think the guard is going to come in first and take over and be in charge of the natural disaster. It's actually the reverse we are last on call when the little counties and cities, mm. they, we don't just walk in and say, hey, well, you're going to do it our way. We go in and say, do you need us? If so, how do you want us to help? Okay. Um, a lot of people think that that's the reverse as well. So we had Hurricane Ida come up recently. Okay. And it was actually forecasted to hit Louisiana worse. So the cities in Mississippi were like, you know what? We might be able to handle it ourselves this time okay. because we actually did better evacuating with 20 year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina on everybody's minds. Mm -hmm. They evacuated a lot better. Um, the levees were stronger this time. They okay. felt like they were going to be able to support themselves. And for that reason, they only asked for a little bit of support from the guard. I didn't even have to go down there as a medical officer. Okay. They only asked for engineers to come clear the roads and for medical or excuse me, military police to come and provide security. So they only had a small handful of people that came down because these smaller entities were able to take care of themselves first. Gotcha. That's how they determine how many people to send down uh, after a natural disaster. Okay. All right. Now you've heard a thing called martial law. Now that that's a, a different thing than a natural disaster, right? That, yes. That's basically when you got a riot or, or major right. issues related to a prison or something else, and then uh, all of the hierarchy, then they come down and say, hey, we're going to help you fix this. Right. Right. All right. So it's good to know how that works and how our veterans fit in, and our veterans are serving us more than just at war with guns and ammunition. You're serving, you, you indicated that you're a medical officer. What does that yes. mean? Well, if you've seen the show MASH, that's mm. probably the easiest way for me to explain kind of what I did mm -hmm. uh, prior to joining my new unit where we do disc commissions, which is civil support for you know natural disasters. But until that point, I did what, what looked like a MASH show. Mm -hmm. We set up treatment tents, um, evacuation platforms, holding tents for people that were sick or injured. Mm. Uh, we, we had to treat them and either get them to a higher level of care or send them back to the front lines. Okay. Um, and my job is admin. I didn't provide any medicine. I just stayed in the headquarters tent and maybe I would call a nine line up on the radio. If somebody was in severe need of medical assistance and we would fly in the helicopter, they'd pick them up and take them to a higher level of care. Okay. All right. So you had to have a fair amount of training for that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how many years have you been in? Uh, February will be 18. 18 years. Yes. Mm. And if I had to do it all over again, I think I would. Really? Yeah. 
Well, thank you. The um, the benefits that I have received through all the struggles have definitely outweighed the the hard times. All right. Now, before I get past this place that's in my mind right now, and you know, the older I get, the closer I I get to old timers, and so I need to ask this question while it's on my mind. We've talked about benefits that are available to the veteran themselves. Yes. What if I die? Does my spouse get anything? Well, it depends. Um, you, before you, when you received your pension, which by the way, that's probably one of the biggest benefits of being in the service 20 years, we get a pension. Okay. Most companies don't offer pensions anymore because it is way too expensive on the company. Mm-hmm. In fact, the guard just in the year of 2018 changed their pension to where it's partially pension, partially 401k because it's so expensive on the government. I digress. Um, (laughs) But the pension, let me go back to what you asked me. The pension that you get when you hit 20 years of service, Mm -hmm. um, you have to make a decision that 20th year or the year that you get out, whether you want to sacrifice some of that pension so that if you were to die early, your spouse could receive a lesser amount of that pension for the rest of their life. All right, so let's use real numbers. Let's say I'm getting a pension for $1,500 a month. I'm just picking a number here, or at least that's what they've told me. I can get $1,500 a month. And let's say that they also offer me $1,250 a month, but my wife can get some. Is that what you're saying? I, if, I get the, if, I t- if I choose the max amount, she won't get any. Is that... That's right. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. Basically, it's a 6.5 reduction at most. That's if you were to tell her you wanted, tell the government you wanted her to get the max after you died, then the max that you're going to be reduced in life is 6.5% oh, okay. of your pension. Okay. So, so really, you need to kind of look at your cash flow once you retire and mm-hmm. determine if you were to die now, would your spouse be able to afford to live without your pension? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no. I would highly consider signing that agreement. Now, that is also a time-sensitive agreement. You only have so many. Uh, you can only make that decision once. You can't change it back and forth. So okay. you need, when you decide it, you need to be sure that's what you want to do because it's permanent. Okay. All right. Now, that was related to pension. Are there yes. other kinds of benefits that the veteran themselves get that maybe the spouse would qualify for too? Because, you know, the spouse is doing a lot of supporting of you. Right, right. So... All, most of the things that the actual veteran gets, the spouse are going to get. So the, the free to cheap long-term care facilities, mm-hmm. um, the TRICARE for life, which means drug costs. And have y'all looked at drug costs lately? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for both, not just one person, one person's drug costs are just out, mm-hmm. out the roof. You know, when your spouse can actually benefit from that too, it is double. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else? TRICARE for life. Um. Well, education costs. So, and that's yeah, another one. I let's didn't think talk about, about this. that one. Education costs. I actually received the GI Bill, the post 9-11 GI Bill for de- deployment. Um, because of that, my husband has actually, well, he's about to receive his master's mm-hmm. next semester free of cost because he has taken advantage of my GI Bill, his master's free of cost. So do you think everybody, including veterans, know that all these benefits are available to them and their family? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Mm. It's because the government doesn't make anything easy to find. <laughs> the websites, oh, please hire somebody to fix your website. Yeah, yeah. But I love you, government. Thank you for all you've done for me. Yeah, well, I, w- I will say this. that it, it, We decided, Bubba and I decided a couple years ago, that there are so many things. Social Security, Medicare, 
veterans benefits that, yeah, we passed some tests related to these things, but we don't do that every day. But there are people walking around in America that need to have better education related to those things. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that you're part of the team. We're going to go to a break here at the Advisors Roundtable and continue this discussion around uh, Veterans Day from Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planner, Schooling Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. And today here we're here with Mary Ann Runner, uh, Captain Mary Ann Runner, uh, as we discuss Veterans Day and Veterans Benefits. I want to go back to something we talked about in that last segment. And we were talking okay. about the potential uh, of a, a, a pension and my spouse getting one. Let me slow down. How did I get the pension? What were the rules related to me if I had been in the, the military about being able to apply for and be qualified for a pension? Let's cover that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go back to the different components within each branch. So the Army has a guard, a reserves, and an active duty component. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, those were all funded differently. Mm-hmm. Because they're funded differently, they can afford to pay different amounts for for each of their soldiers for retirement. Okay. Active duty, because they live it every day, it is their full-time job, they're actually going to receive a pension once they hit 20 years on the dot, if they did 20 years of active duty. Okay. So if I graduated high school at 18, went straight into active duty, lived at Fort Benning on, ba- on base there, maybe I did a couple of deployments in the meantime, once I hit um, 38, exactly 20 years to the day, I can actually retire and draw a pension that okay. day. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody else who draws a pension at 38. <laughs> uh, but yeah. that's that's the benefit of sacrificing and signing on the dotted line yeah, and doing it every years. day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and you think about our local armories around here, too. There's one here in Corinth. Mm-hmm. There's people that work in that building every day, all day. They're also considered active duty. Okay. If they work in that building for 20 years, they can also retire right, right. after 20 years. Now, it's different from the Guard and Reserves um, because we don't do it every day. Mm-hmm. I drill one week in a month and two weeks during the summer for my annual training. Right. Um, each of those days are made up of mutas, and each muta gives us points. So we go off of a point system for retirement. Spell that, muta. M-U-T-A. It's an, uh, an acronym, and don't ask me what it means. Okay. <laughs> I was too going many, to. <laughs> too many acronyms. Yeah. That's one thing you'll learn. That it keeps it safe, but it also keeps it safe from the military, too. Too many acronyms. <laughs> um, a recruiter will know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But MUTA, it determines you know how many days that you've worked to be able to earn points towards retirement. So they look at all your points after 20 years, mm-hmm. and they calculate a percentage of what your active duty pay would have been okay. based on your points, and they give you a percentage of the active duty pension. Okay. Based on So if I looked at all my points, it might show during my whole 20 years of service, I actually served a total of five years active duty. If you put all the, get, the days together, yes. it might be a total of five years. So maybe I'll get 25% of what active duty would get for retirement. Okay. Because I only worked about 25% of the time compared to them. But no, you're, you're not going to be able to do that at age 38 on me, are you? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so when I hit 38, uh-huh. Lord willing, I make it there and I can retire in 20 years. Right. Um, I won't be able to receive that pension until I hit 59 and a half. Um, okay. So you retired with 20 years of service, but you don't get to, because you weren't on active right. duty the whole right. time since you were in garden reserve. You've, you've got that uh, benefit that's just kind of waiting out there. Yes. And uh, and if you talk to any people that have deployed that are Guard and Reserves, you're going to start making them a little frustrated because they'll tell you that you can draw it at 60, 
But for every quarter that you've earned on active duty status, Mm -hmm. every quarter, so every three months that you were either deployed or on certain orders, Mm -hmm. you can withdraw that pension that much earlier from age 60. So I was deployed for nine months on that special set of orders. I can withdraw my pension at 59 and and three months. Yeah, right. Okay. 59 and three months. But if you served in active duty prior to year 2009, those deployments don't count. And that's where I say you get soldiers that are frustrated because do you remember that deployment in 2004 mm-hmm. after 9-11? Yeah. That was probably one of the most difficult deployments for a lot of people. Lots of death, lots of mental health issues from that one. Oh. And they don't get to withdraw retirement early from that deployment. That's yeah. To me, that is so frustrating. I think if you serve the country at all, yes. you ought to be able to count, get some muta points or whatever, right? Yes, yes. Okay. That should count. All right, so we need to talk to our elected representatives and senators about that? Yes, and when it comes to how to thank a veteran, that is one of the number one ways you can is pay attention to the legislator and help vote for those things that can support your veterans. For example, being able to pull out retirement earlier because of those previous deployments. Well, one of the reasons we are where we are at this point in our freedoms and what we get to enjoy is how well that this country responded after 9-11 mm-hmm. and after other um, natural and um, major issues in our history. Uh, yeah. And so why 2009? I, I, I guess somebody did some math. 2009, oh, you're making me use my brain. 2009 is when they started, um, was it that... Is when they started that law. Okay. That they right. that you could. I think that's when they signed that law into act. That you could subtract from six. Yes, that you could. If you were in guard and reserve. Earlier. Yes, that's when okay. that law started. So they said from here on forward, it counts. Okay. Okay. All right. So if you served in the guard and reserve for twenty years, twenty years is still a magic number, but you don't necessarily get to immediately withdraw that pension until right. you get to sixty minus your muta points or whatever. Right. Okay. So really, I just need to have another job, and then I'll have two retirements. Right? <laughs> well, there you go. Sixty. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, and that's basically what you're doing, right? Yes. yes. All right. So um, Veterans Day comes along which is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. There will be uh, parades in some communities. Um, some businesses will be closed for part of or all of the day. Um, there will be ceremonies around the country. Um, what else can people do to help support and thank veterans? I've thought about this a lot because I get this question a lot. You know, what what can I do to support you? Um, <clears throat> I, I generally break it down into two categories. There's something you can do internally to help you appreciate a veteran. Okay. And then there are things you can do externally to talk with veterans and to show them externally what you, how you want to support them. So my best two examples for internally, um, the best, veterans want you to relate to them. They want you to know what they went through. Okay. And by that, they had to go without, they had to go without cell phones, without ice in their drinks, um, without communication to their loved ones, without shelter, without food at times, without good food. So if without you, a shower, without a shower. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you want to, they want you to relate to that. So if you want to relate to that, go, go, camping. For, go camping, go do without for a little bit. Okay. Put your cell phone away for a, a week. Okay. I mean, not just a day or two, a week, hmm. eat some MREs for three days in a row. <laughs> uh, make sure you take a laxative, but um, <clears throat> I digress. 
make sure you make sure you you know you write a letter while you have all that downtime. Write letters. That mm-hmm. was so important to us. Mm-hmm. And then you will really truly appreciate what they had to go through. Okay. <clears throat> Another way to appreciate a veteran is to become educated. Okay. I recently went to Saratoga, New York, on what we call a staff ride, where we walk through the site of where America gained its independence. <clears throat> it was beautiful. I could see exactly where Benedict Arnold walked. Mm-hmm. I learned exactly how he died. I saw the tree from which one of the snipers climbed up in and killed one of the biggest commanders of one of the armies. Mm-hmm. I could smell the grass. It smelled herbal. Mm-hmm. I just connected every single thing mm-hmm. <clears throat> as far as how what it actually looked like and what it felt like. Yeah. And when I talk about that to a veteran, they're just so happy to know that I cared enough to go learn yeah and and one of the ways i've done it is every time i hear something about a deployment um, or a military activity i go look it up on a map yes you geography know, you ought to be able to yeah. to you know right there's afghanistan yeah right there's mm-hmm. kuwait right here's grenada yeah you know you gotta know that as an american exactly um, and then there's externally, <clears throat> talk to them. There's been a stigma where you can't talk to a veteran or ask them about their experiences. I think that's slowly going away in this age of communication and, uh, and, and exposing, you know, mental health issues and talking about things. So okay. I think a lot of veterans these days don't mind talking about their experiences Okay. and um, document them because okay. your kids, when they are old enough to appreciate, they'll actually pay attention to it. Okay. Um, and then last but not least, serve in veteran programs and organizations here in Corinth. We have the American Legion. Mm. I think tonight they're actually having a meeting. I don't mm. know if it's open to the public or not. I'll have to mm. find out. <clears throat> um, give care packages to the USO that go over to over, you know, seas. Mm-hmm. And then, Contact your local armory. I know y'all have seen the armories in little cities here. Yeah. Ask them about their family readiness groups and what you can do to uh, family, family readiness, readiness group. These are F- groups. FRG. Yeah. These groups are who take care of your families when the soldiers are gone. Okay. Mow the grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, provide air conditioning repair. Whatever they need. Mm-hmm. And but they do fundraisers, and that all the money goes towards Christmas parties for the soldiers. So those are ways to directly uh, support those in your own community. Perfect. Well, Marianne, thank you for being here with us today as we discuss Veterans Day and Veterans Benefits. Hopefully people are a little more informed now. Thank you for listening to us at the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk Radio. discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.